right, welcome back into the Plank Show Hour 2. And we are pumped to be joined by the play-by-play voice of UCF softball. One of my favorite guys to talk to. He is Eric Lopez, and he's live in Norman. What's up, Elo? How are you, bud? I'm doing well, Chris. This is a awkward time, though. Our teams are playing each other. This is this is for usually we're like you know shooting the breeze, talking softball, but now it's it's serious. It's for all the marbles, baby. Um, okay, well let's let's start with just a general before we have to get into this. Your team versus my team thoughts uh, and, and conversations, Eric. What a first weekend for college softball. Uh, upsets mixed in with a couple dominating performances. Uh, what surprised you the most this weekend? I'm shocked that we had so many upsets, especially Florida State losing twice at home to Mississippi State. You have Alabama losing at home in a regional for the first time in the Pat- Patrick Murphy era there. Uh, not going to a super. Tennessee getting clipped twice by Oregon State. Uh, this it, I was baffled by it. I mean, I was on the air for most of the weekend, so I didn't see most of it. But when I saw the scores, I thought they were wrong. And then there weren't. And that, that's the part that shocked me. I mean, we got Mississippi State hosting Arizona in a super re- – one of those teams are going to the World Series. I mean, there were people that thought Arizona shouldn't make the tournament. Uh, you got Oregon State and Stanford in a super regional. I mean – that feels like a Pac-12 Network series, not let alone a super regional. I mean, uh, it, it's it's the most shocking regional weekend that I can remember. I really thought, you know, and Florida looked dominant, right? And they won their three games and got out. I kind of thought Tennessee was on the path towards that. I kind of thought Florida State was on the path towards that. And I mean, I'm just I'm still jaw dropped by some of the things that took place this weekend. Shocked. So that shows that there's parity in the sport. I mean, Virginia Tech had to come from behind to beat Kentucky. They were fortunate because uh, I did catch a little bit of that as well. Uh, but it speaks to, you know, the parity of the sport, and I think it speaks to the credit of, you know, how good Oklahoma is, that you guys somehow avoid that kind of stuff. Although I know A&M pushed you uh, on the winner's bracket game on Saturday, but it, it just seems that it's Oklahoma and everybody else right now in the sport because, seems like everybody else, it's kind of like it's up for grabs. It really is. Like, I really thought, Chris, that Florida State was going to be the team that might give me the biggest threat to the national title for Oklahoma. And I just, I still can't believe how they got outplayed by Mississippi State twice in the same day at home. That That's, it's really baffling. And it really, uh, and then Texas going into Seattle and beating Gabby playing twice. I mean, it's just, it's, it was wild. I, I'm still in stun. I am too. I'm really shocked, um, but I'm excited. I'm excited that you guys are coming to Norman, Eric. I'm excited to see this UCF team that I've heard so much about this year. Um, and, and we touched on it a little bit whenever we talked a few weeks ago, but take me through the strengths. What's made this UCF team so good in 22? Versatility. They can beat you in so many ways. You know, They, hit, they have power with Jada Cody, we've talked about, who has 14 home runs, Shannon Doherty, Ashley Griffin, a young freshman. They have speed. They have athleticism one through nine in the lineup. They have one-two punch and pitching with Gianna Mancha and Kamal Woodall, who have completely different repertoires. They completely can throw off offenses off balance. They have a good defense. They're young. They're moxie. And they don't 
they kind of play with that who cares, you know, you know, deal. Like, why not us mentality, you know, Chris? Because I think we've talked about this a few before. There were a lot of teams that didn't want to be a 16 seed. There were teams that told me, hey, we'd rather just travel, to be honest with you, than <laughs> be in a 16 host site. That was never came out of UCF's mouth. They didn't care where they were seated. They just wanted to host, uh, and they want to play the best. And so, obviously, to host for the first time, which was this weekend, was incredible. Uh, I'll never forget the Michigan game on Saturday, going over four hours, 11 innings. And then they just kind of wore down the Wolverines, and now they get a chance to go up to Norman to play uh, Oklahoma. I know that a lot of our fan base is making the trip. A lot of the alumni, softball players, are making the trip, traveling to Dallas, to Norman. I mean, I don't know how they're going to get into the building, but they're going to find a way. <laughs> they're going to find a way to get in the building, Chris. So, and, and I'm telling you, when you're going to hear at some point during the broadcast some of that UCF chat, you're going to be wondering, where's that coming from? Well, that's where it's coming from, because these people travel. So That's awesome. Uh, people are excited. People are excited. Uh, it's a great weekend, but obviously they got a tall task in order. But I think they're excited for the opportunity. I mean, they they Head coach Sidney Balbalone, that's always been her mentality to them. It's like, let's play the best, no fear. You play the best and, and, and leave it on the field and see what happens. Makes It, it, it makes you better, yep. right? Um, yep. and, and you mentioned Sidney Balbalone. I mean, this – I don't know if you want to say this is a, a, a relatively new program, but, I mean, she's only been the second head coach in the history of this of this team. What's, what's really kind of been her what, – what separates her? What's made her so special? I think what makes her unique is from the standpoint she's able to evaluate talent. You know, Kama Woodall was nine and nineteen at East Carolina last year. She entered the portal. Nobody, I don't think anybody said, "Hey, Kama Woodall is going to be a difference maker." Well, you know what you did? It was Sydney Baumalone who did. You know why? Because she saw her uh, go against her in conference, and she saw something in her that others didn't. And so she's brought the most out of her. She brings the most out of her players. She's demanding, but she's also. Uh, very creative, under, puts them in a position to succeed. Uh, not afraid to change things up on the fly. Uh, she's a great pitch caller. I think we got two of the best pitch callers in the sport this weekend in Sydney Balmalone, who handles the UCF pitching staff this year exclusively. And then Jen Rocha, yeah. uh, which I'm the only one that knows this stat, but I'll give this to you, Chris, for, to use on the, your broadcast. I'm writing it down. So UCF, over the years, would run into Florida in the regionals and get knocked out in 2008, 2010, 2012, 2014, 2016. The pitching coach for Florida on all those Florida teams, Jen Rocha. So once again, for UCF in the postseason, they got to run into a Jen Rocha-led pitching staff. So the more things change, the more they stay the same. What is it then about this program in general? Because I say it's not necessarily a new program, but in a lot of ways – it's only 20 years old, but then in its 20 years, it's been to the tournament half of those years. I mean, that's not easy to do, Eric. You're right. It started with Renee Lourdes Gillespie building the program up from scratch, getting talent in Florida. I think talent in Florida has improved every year. But I also think, for example, Sidney Bob Malone and Coach Gillespie have had a pipeline in the state of California. So you add the balance of Florida and California, and you've got yourself talent. Tim Walton has done that at Florida, for example, if you look at his rosters. Um, so that's been a big part of it. I think they've had great pitching. They've always had great pitching going back to Donnie Cup, Allison Kime, Mackenzie Otis, Shelby Turnier, who was a top 10 finalist player of the year in 2015, Aaliyah White, and now these two that they have in Mancha and Woodall. It, that's been the recipe. The difference is with this team is they have an offense. You know, the thing that's kind of held them back 
is they didn't have the depth offensively. They would have two or three good hitters, and then everybody else is kind of an automatic out. And usually what would happen is they would run into Florida pitching or Florida State pitching in the postseason. Well, now they have offense. I mean, look what they did on Sunday there, Chris. They scored nine runs against Megan Bobian, Alex Duraco, and that Wolverine pitching staff. Literally. I mean, Chris, it Hutch threw every pitcher at UCF, and nobody could get them out. They couldn't get them out. And that's the difference between this UCF team and past UCF teams. Their philosophy is to be offensively efficient and to attack and put pressure on the opposing defense. And they will be, if they have to be disciplined and take pitches, they scored the first three runs on Sunday via the walk. So they'll score a variety of ways. That's the difference, I think, between this UCF team now and the past. But they've always been scrappy. They've always played hard. They've always had, had athleticism. They've always had pitching. And that's why they've been successful even in a short period of time. And I think, you know, the Big 12 gets knocked for this every every so often about the depth of the teams in their conference. I think what we're seeing, too, and this is just my opinion. You might say that you think it's BS, and obviously I followed a little bit closer because I am a University of Tulsa alum. But I think you see a league where there's not a lot of weekends off, right? Um those were tight games with ECU. Houston played well against you guys. Uh, Wichita State's a tournament team. Tulsa has been a tournament team in the past. It's also, I think, a league in the American that doesn't necessarily get the respect it deserves, in my opinion, Eric. Yeah, I mean, it's the sixth strongest conference in the league. Now, the bottom this year was down compared to past years. But the thing I think you can relate to this, Chris, and I don't think people, the media and the public sometimes understand this, a team like Houston this year, for example, is down. Yeah. Well, UCF and Houston have been playing against each other since 2006 <laughs> in, in multiple conferences. Right. So it doesn't matter what the record is. It's a battle. Uh, so it's not a surprise that you took UCF extra innings to beat Houston in eight innings in the semifinal of the American Conference Tournament. It's kind of like the Baylor series for Oklahoma, right? right. Baylor was down this year, yet they're one ball, one play away from knocking off Oklahoma because you yep. guys play each other so many years. Yep. Glenn Moore knows Patty Gasso. Patty Gasso knows Glenn Moore. That makes it a challenge. Uh, same thing with Oklahoma State, et cetera. Uh, I think that's what people don't understand. But you're right. I mean, Wichita State had a dynamic offense. South Florida with Georgina Corrick. That rivalry speaks for itself. But you're right. They do get pushed. And, you know, for UCF, it was a lot of pressure in the American. It's kind of similar to Oklahoma goes through. We were – you know, they know they almost have to go perfect in league play, especially UCF. They knew to host, they probably had to win the regular season title. They had to win the conference tournament uh, with the non-conference schedule. You couldn't avoid slipping up against a T- an East Carolina or a Tulsa because the resume would kill you. So add that pressure, kind of like Oklahoma, where if they lose a Big 12 game, the people think the the, the world is on, you know, the, the, the Sooners are in trouble. So from that standpoint, I think both have that similarity where, you know, they play in strong leagues, but yet they don't get the credit for it. They're expected to dominate. Is from just what Cindy Ballmalone, the motivation side of it, you, you, you've taught, they, this team's played Virginia Tech this year, right? You've played yep. the best of the best. Is there a, I don't know, chip on the shoulder, us against the world kind of mindset? Is that played up much whenever you know just how viewed of a favorite Oklahoma appears to be? Yeah, I think they don't. They're not going to pay attention to all of that. I think the, her yeah. mentality is we're playing Sally, right? Like they're playing. They, her focus, no matter who they play, is you got to worry about yourself. You can't worry about who you're playing uh, because if you worry about who you're playing, then that throws you off. 
if you play well, then you'll be you'll be fine. But if you're not going to play well, then it doesn't matter who you play, you're going to get beat. And so I think that's part of their mentality. But I also know for a fact, I mean, they beat Texas earlier this year, and I know it's been brought up throughout the year. Hey, Texas beat Oklahoma, so and you beat Texas, so why can't you? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So they they've got every little psychological trick ready to go. I, I don't. I'll tell you this, Chris. They're not going to go into Norman and all. They're not going to be – now, they might lose, okay, because Oklahoma's better. But they're not going to lose because they're just going to give it to Oklahoma. That, I would be shocked on that. I, I think they're going to play hard. They will play, be ready to play. I don't think they're going to be intimidated by the atmosphere because they have played in tough atmospheres. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, uh, they're playing the best team in the country. So, uh, you know, that, that's where that, you know, that might that be an issue. But – you know, I think they'll be ready for the challenge. I know that that's something that uh, they they're looking forward to is getting a super regional. They've, their goal was to get to Oklahoma City, and you know they're pretty close to it, literally. Um, what all you mentioned the transfer from ECU spent some time what at North Carolina State too nine and nineteen last year. You brought it up, but what is it that you've seen that's really clicked with her? Does she throw about everything? And I mean, my gosh, she was incredible in that eleven inning game against Michigan the other day because that's a good hitting team. She is a rubber arm. You asked, she could throw every day if she wanted, if you wanted her to. In fact, she gets better the more the more pitches she throws. It's very wild. Uh, she keeps the ball down. She executes, and I think her and Sydney Baldwin have been a good fit. I think Sydney Baldwin has brought the most out of her. She's brought the most confidence in her. Uh, came off this. This is by far the best team she's ever been around, not just talent wise, but just being her, the camaraderie. She loves the school. I think she was meant to be a UCF knight, and it finally found her way. Uh, her personality fits this fan base. It fits this team. You know, that was the big question going into the season was who's going to replace Aaliyah White, the all-time wins leader? Who's going to eat up those innings? The answer is Kamal Woodall is. Uh, and I think you saw that in display this weekend going 11 innings. And I don't know if people on TV understood. She threw 181 pitches. The heat index is 100 degrees out there. Like, I'm toast right now, Chris. If you look at me, I'm well done. <laughs> All right, and I'm in the booth. Imagine her. They're playing, and she she wasn't phased by that. And then comes back Sunday to close out the game against Michigan. She's been a, a marvel, a remarkable player. You know, UCF. There's a player here, an athlete named Mike Hughes, who was a defensive back. Yeah. 2017. You know this, Chris, from following football. He was added to UCF late in 20 in the fall of 2017, before the start of the season. Had an All-American year in the quarterback made the famous kickoff return against South Florida, helped UCF go undefeated the whole year. Without Mike Hughes, UCF doesn't go undefeated, doesn't win the America, doesn't win the Peach Bowl. In my opinion, Kamal Woodall is the college softball version of Mike Hughes. Without Kamal Woodall, UCF's not in this position, getting ready to head out to Norman in the Super Regionals. That's a cool story, man. That's a great angle. All right. She wants to be, by the way, she's going to Baylor Law School after she's done. Well, I mean, she's uh, taking the right direction here. You know, you hit I-35 out of Norman. It's a straight shot down to Waco, so she's good to go. Uh, Hey, uh, one real quick one, non-OU and and UCF. How big is that opening at Texas A&M? I just think that is a massively good job. We're about to see a seismic dominoes about to play out in the offseason. You remember when Texas opened, and there was all the big names that were rumored, and then Mike White ended up going there, and it caused this, you know, I think this is even bigger. Wow. This is bigger because A and M can throw more money. They have better facilities. They're in, in the SEC, obviously. They are going after some monster names. I'm talking the, there's national championship head coaches they're going after, 
And if they're able to land one of them, that is going to cause a seismic changes across the board because now that school is going to be looking for a marquee coach and vice versa. Yep. So this is all of a sudden. I was hoping to have some vacation time in the <laughs> off season. That went out the window now if A&M opened. And then uh, finally, just your thoughts on Oklahoma. You cover this sport better than anyone uh, year-round, and we've seen them have some adversity this year with the – uh, injury to Jordy Ball and now Kenzie Hansen being a little dinged up. What have you seen from this Sooner team in 22? Resilience. Um, I've been really impressed. And hope you know. Here we go. And it, it speaks to. I think Jen Roach doesn't get enough credit for this. You're without one of the best pitchers in the country, and you didn't miss her in the regional. Like right. that's incredible to me. Hope Trotwine did a heck of a job. Nicole May stepped up, and it's the same thing. Somebody always seems to step up, and Oklahoma is always ready for it. The big question is, when does Jordy Ball return, if she returns? And who can, you know, can Oklahoma, you know, be knocked off? I don't know. I mean, that's the biggest question in the sport. And uh, it's just remarkable the job that Jen Rocha and Patty Gasso and that staff does because it seems like if somebody goes down, somebody else is ready to step up. There's always a name. And uh, it speaks to the depth, but it speaks also to the players that are ready to go to step up when their name is called, which is not easy, right? Because you and I know – at times, players could pout and say, well, it's not my, meant to be. I'm not going to get to play. All of a sudden, they get their name called. They're not ready to play. But that seems not to be the case at Oklahoma. So uh, it's a credit to them. And we'll see what happens this weekend in the Super Regionals uh, and what they look like and how UCF kind of tries to game plan for them. I had to catch you too long. I appreciate you. Bring your sunscreen. We're outside, just so you know. Um, I'll make sure you got a good line. We'll be ready to roll. And I can't wait to have you here in Norman to call what I think is going to be a fun Super Regional. Should be fun, Christopher. It'll be fun, man. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. All right, buddy. We'll see you. Eric Lopez. I could hear all of his uh, alerts and alarms going off. I felt terrible. <laughs> I was hearing it, too. I was like, oh, no. I've kept him way too long. I really like this UCF team. I really do. If They've they were... played a lot of tough opponents, too. Uh, 12 games against ranked opponents. If If we were anywhere... If it was any other situation, I'd probably be picking them to go to the World Series. I really would, but it's just tough. All right, um, quick break. It's 10-22. It's a plank show right here on The Ref. When we come back, uh, some good Air Comfort Solutions techs have rolled in. I grinched and moaned about it earlier, so we'll get to it after the break right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Did you see the uh, Super Regional tickets are already sold out? They went on sale at 10 um, let's see, how long ago was this tweet sent? Oh, well, I mean, it, it was less than that, but the OU softball official Twitter account tweeted 15 minutes after they went on sale that they were sold out. Isn't that crazy? That's so wild. 15 minutes. That's so wild. I am just, I'm just uh, in awe. There's every single time something pops up, there's more that, just continues to jaw drop. I think this weekend's going to be great out at Home Run Village. And I would encourage everyone to check that out. Because I think I – t- when my family came in town, they actually went to Home Run Village on that Saturday and had a blast for the OU-OSU Bedlam game. But it's worth it. They got the Jumbotron out there. Do they still say Jumbotron, big screen? I think they do. Yeah, yeah Jumbotron. And there's food trucks, there's libations, 
there's I think our radio call is actually laid over the TV side. So there's another reason to want to be there. I shout you out quite a bit, Home Run Village. Um, Just a great experience back there and a lot to do. And you get a great view of the, like you said, the game on the Jumbotron. It's so fun. It's, it's good. Because getting in is going to be a challenge. But yet somehow, some way, Mr. Sooner and Harry James Taylor will be in there. It's just, it's like clockwork. I'm in awe. Um, Sooner Jedi writes, if I'm reading this right, Allo's average has gone up postseason. She's batting six of seven for an 857 batting average. And that's just in the postseason. And by the way, she came into the postseason hitting almost 500, if not 500. And that wasn't, that wasn't the best in the country. Isn't that crazy? It's observed. It's insane. So to kind of give you an idea of of how good – and when I say the postseason, I'm not trying to exclude the Big 12 tournament. But there's – it's not just Jocelyn. It's, it's Jada Coleman too. I feel like both of them have found another level of play. I mean, here's, here's Jossie's three games. Are you ready? The opener against Prairie View A&M. Two for three with two runs scored, three runs batted in, including a home run. That's that's the opener. Um, the Saturday game against Texas A&M, they worked around her a little bit. Went one for one with a run scored and two walks. The 20-run game, she went three for three with three runs scored and three runs batted in, including her second home run of the postseason. <laughs> Jada Coleman, by the way, in that same span, two for two with three runs scored, two for three with a run scored and two runs batted in, and two for four with two runs scored and two runs batted in. Then she had that oppo, oppo against A&M, but, man. They're really good right now. I don't know if this is breaking news or not, but – but they're they're really good. Uh, from the five eight zero, I they sold out before fifteen minutes. I was on by ten and could not get tickets. Uh, Mark Desher at OU Photo Guy said he was he was fighting like crazy to try to get an extra ticket. Feeling good. Got my tickets to the Supers. I think UCF will be a very tough team. My opinion, I'd rather face a top 10 team. They will be ready. I know Coach Casso will have the Sooners ready. Now, I got to admit, I didn't get this. I bet we score 9,210 runs on UCF, if you know UO. I'm trying to think, is that a... 90210 was in Beverly Hills, like California. So, I don't know if... Does that have something to do with the attendance of 90? I don't know. I really don't know. Um, I guess there is a, hold on, I Googled it up. Oh, Shannon Doherty. Shannon Doherty plays for UCF, and that's an actual player for UCF. Well, she was also an actor on Beverly Hills 90210. Okay, man, I would have never known that if you just didn't do that research right there. I'm here for you. (laughs) But I did have to laugh whenever I... Whenever I saw it, I couldn't help but laugh because, like, somebody said, you mean the girl from 90210? Yes, the the actor from 90210, which, uh, let me see how old Shannon Doherty is right now. Um, she would be, you want to guess? She's probably my age. 51. So she's a little bit older than I am. 
But no, no, no. Yeah, they found some college eligibility for you, dope, so she could go out there and play. Well done. It was the comma that threw me off, the 90. <laughs> I just didn't know what was going on. Uh, late to the party. Kinsey Hansen out for Supers? No. She wasn't out for the regionals. They just rested her. Uh, and then, oh, gosh, Kyle, you just gave us one of the greatest texts ever. I need a whole segment to get to that. Uh, True Sooner. Where is True Sooner today? I think it is still a relatively new sport to the masses. People are still learning the lingo, and it's better than the alternative of no one caring. Have some patience, Blake. No, 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 I have patience. Um, I think my frustration comes with the same question 86,000 times. That's where my frustration comes in. Listen to the show for three hours. Lock it in at 9A. Don't leave until noon, and you're going to know everything you need to know. That's it. You're, you're set. But I would also add, um, I'm in that group with True Sooner, though. I think that there are some people that, and I still get it today, and it's usually older men that are just a-holes. Oh, you called the circle the mound. Well, coach calls the circle the mound. You said RBIs. Well, a lot of people say RBIs. I mean, the, the sh. The world doesn't end on that, you grumpy. It's the little, it's the little things that shouldn't really matter. Right. I mean, listen. Fans. Do they need to be right? You bet. Well, they said that she tried to butt when she was obviously trying to slap. It's like, uh, c- calm down. I mean, it's just these are like the little things that people are a holes about. That if you're a little bit calmer, it's it's gonna be okay. Like, is this gonna keep you up at night? Because I said that wrong, just a tad bit. No, for some of these people, I think it does. I, I really do. There are some grumpy, grumpy old men, and I'm not calling you old. Um, one more. This is from the 405. I think the winner of the Eastern Conference is going to win the NBA title. Thoughts? Your favorite intern. Boy, that makes it tough because Connor is an intern right now. Um, yes, yeah, so I don't know who we're talking about I here. I think that's Jeff. Um, I do. It's funny because I live in this world where I probably talk too much NBA on my on the national shows. But here's the world that I live in. I can't believe Golden State's doing this with as bad as they were the last two years. And I know that Steph was hurt, what, two years ago? Got a little dinged up last year. And I know they've been playing without Klay Thompson, but it's not like Klay Thompson has been playing all season. You know, he's suddenly back in the mix, what, about – all-star break, post-all-star break, and it's just – it's it's amazing to me. It really is. And you're doing it with the dude that was in the G League last year in Jordan Poole, um, a center who is okay and loony at best, and a guy that most everyone gave up on in Andrew Wiggins. I mean, yeah, I know it's Steph, Draymond, and Clay, but it's it's kind of about the, the support they put around him, right? And they're all healthy, and, man, that's big adding Jordan Poole just out of nowhere from the G League. Like, it's big when Curry, Clay, and Draymond are all healthy because they perform really well when they're on the court together. But I also – I don't think they win any of their titles, and I know, Katie, that conversation going to be had, but I don't think Golden State wins any of its titles without Sean Livingston, Andrew Bogut, David West, Zaza, uh, Zaza Pachula. I mean, those guys all either moved on or retired, and now you've replaced them with a pretty impressive young group. I'm just – I'm in awe. I'm in awe of what they've done. 
Uh, all right, quick break. When we come back on the Plank Show, we can hit some of your calls at 405-329-9000. Uh, I, I mentioned Kyle and Broken Bow has a solution to NIL that we need to get to next right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. I have to clarify something to clear the good name of my man Jesse on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. I was not calling him a dope. Um, I was calling the um, I was calling the people on the thread of the UCF player a dope. Is that the girl from nine hundred two one zero? I mean, that's literally if you Google up UCF nine hundred two one zero, a thread comes up on Shannon Doherty's. And the first reply is, is that really the girl from 90210? So that's – I'm sorry. She's pl- she's playing softball at 51 years old. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. So I, not you, Jesse. You're my favorite tweeter to the show. Um, I, okay, th- let me clarify a couple of things. I had someone that wrote, did you hear how Jordy's throwing for the first time yesterday? That wouldn't have been the first time that she threw. So I, I don't – I won't go, I stop and tell you guys what I know. But I would just say uh, I haven't heard anything, and I brought this up earlier, and she's been trying to give it a go, and they've been very cautious and careful with her, so we'll see. I think that – I say this. I said this on the uh, – what? what's the podcast that I went on last night with Drew and the guys? Um, is it All Things OU? Anything OU podcast. And I told them the same thing, that she is just, it sounds so corny to say it, and when I say it, I almost get mad at myself. She's just built different, right? And I don't even mean that in her physicality. I mean that in her, like, mental makeup. So, I mean, I'm not going to make any guarantees. I told you guys that I thought um, I thought one of the greatest um, – I thought one of the greatest things we saw this weekend was how Nicole May and and Hope Troutwine pitched. And Oklahoma's not in the Women's College World Series last year without Nicole May, probably. You know, she pitched so well in the Supers against Washington. So, I feel pretty confident for this weekend. And she I, wants to play. She wants it's to play. Just, I mean, the elbow on the throwing arm, that's not an easy injury. And you kind of got to take it, like, day by day to – Get well, back into that whole you know area on on her arm, forearm included, wrist, hand, whatever it might be, I don't know. But it's it's a challenge whenever you're trying to when you're trying to bounce back from something and you want to go. I mean, you want to go, and it's fun. It's fun to watch her not just tap out because you easily could, and she doesn't want to. Um, here's a really good text, and then we'll we'll get back to doing some sports talk here with the um, with the top five stories of the day. This is from uh, who? Kyle in Broken Bow. He writes the best NIL solution I've seen. All student athletes formally becoming employees is not the worst thing that can happen. It's probably the easiest way out of this debacle. You don't see this level of 24-7, 365 chaos in pro sports because there are contracts and salaries with salary caps maintaining parity instead of perpetual free agency and unlimited, undocumented cash. There is a really good point. The Jimbo comes out yesterday, and gosh, we haven't played any of that, have we, today? 
Jimbo comes out yesterday, or at least the the interview was released yesterday, and says, I only had one guy that had an NIL deal with me, one guy. But how do you research that? How do you dig into that? What do you what do you do? Do you go out and ask, let me see your contracts? They don't have to show it to you. And we can deal in cash and I mean, as as I've learned, cash isn't always the easiest thing to trace, right? Well, and they do a great job of hiding it too. It's hard to get a hand on that. You don't have to you just have to report your deal. You have to the, I think the the university has to have approved the contract, but they don't have to approve a, an amount of money. So, you know, Jimbo fires off on that horrible TV reporter and says, have you done your research? Well, that's a fair question, but it's almost impossible, right? Unless someone tells you how much they're making, they don't have to. Unless you dig into the collective and they want to flex their muscles, they don't have to. So that's a really good point um, because it's all undocumented. He adds, money would flow through the athletic departments. It would be on the books and state employees would be accountable for how it's spent. It would be taxed correctly and consistently. And you could find a way for certain states to take a cut of money donated for student-athlete pay. Kind of like weed. The people who want to buy players want to do it so dang bad that they'll let the state charge them whatever. Can I? I don't want to necessarily clean up his weed reference because I think it's really good. From what I've been told, it's not necessarily the cheapest thing on the planet to go buy a gummy or two, or to to try to go get you a, a, a quarter. But why? Hey, man, I I I need that for my glaucoma, right? Wink, wink. But but people want to have weed legalized so badly and to be able to to buy it and smoke it that it's like, oh, I don't care. Tax away. Whatever it takes. I'll buy it. It's a really good point, too. Most importantly, the schools themselves would negotiate with a long-term plan. These collectives just throw as much cash as they can at whoever they want. There's less ego involved when it's 80s building a whole class instead of booster against another booster or uh, another donor for a single guy. Let the schools negotiate with all other schools as well. Some need to accept less than a full four-year athletic scholarship for the value they bring in. If salary caps are legal in pro sports, they will be legal in college and even among the SEC spenders. There will be a realization that boosters paying seven figures to individual players is starving the department of what used to be donations. Even the most insane player buyer might soon welcome some limits instead of being sucked into uncapped bidding wars for unproven teenagers year after year. And this is a hot take, but if the ability to organize and bargain leads to a national strike, then we need that. The perception of 99.5% of college athletes' value is out of touch with reality. They need to see the world go on for a season without them while they're locked out of their $100 million facilities and the NFL development goes straight in the toilet. Or watch some zero-star scab draw the same 85K fans they they did. Um, Appy Sooner came up with that. So thank you, Kyle and Broken Bow, for sharing. Now, I'm not 
I'm not big on that. Strike! We'll show you. I think that there's a lot of really stupid people that, you know, cover sports. And maybe that's unfair. I think there's a lot of well-meaning people. You know, you see it a lot. Good. All these athletes can profit on what they've always been due from blah, blah. Well, not everyone is on the same level, right? You want to sit there and yell and scream for equality, but there's nothing equal about NIL. It's just not. No, it's just the the big names get the big NIL deals, and then some of the names that, like, they just play. I mean, maybe they get some playing time. They're not going to make a lot of money off NIL. I I love the salary cap idea. I just – you just well, don't. You don't want to make college football like the professional sports. I feel like that will damage it a little bit. The, the reason you can't have a salary cap is because you're you're trying to cap something that is not universal. So, in other words, not everyone is agreeing to. You can't say we're putting a salary cap on NIL deals. You can't. You can't put a cap on that. That that's profiting off your yourself, right? If they did that. You're in court in a heartbeat. But I don't know. I don't know. It's There's so many different ideas. Just don't know what they're going to do about this. I, I think the simplest part is to beef up. I don't think you have to make kids employees. I don't think that necessarily universities want that. Because, listen, if you're – my thought on the make them employees conversation – you're going to lose some sports. It's just the reality of it. You're going to lose some sports. You're not going to be able to afford to keep the the rowing team. You might not be able to afford in some schools to keep the golf team or the, the baseball team even. And those non-revenue sports, well, just make them all employees. You got a dowment? That's, that's not how this works, yo. It's just not reality. And that's going to create so much chaos for – all the sports. I like. I'm not opposed to the idea of the conversation. It's just not. I don't think it's a reality, unless you just want three sports in college sports. Unless you just want uh, football, basketball, and I don't know. Maybe m- maybe a women's basketball or a softball. You got two two male sports, two female sports. That's probably all you could get. If you want to make them all employees, that's at least how I've always understood it Uh, because you're going to have to, it's going to be more than just paying them. It's going to be a lot of support staff, but I don't think you're in a situation right now, Connor, where that's on the table. My solution, let's talk about it next. It's the plank show. Say this, this is my just quick thought before the top of the hour, hit the top 10 stories. (laughs) Ha! Top five stories today coming up next. Hour two of the Plank Show been brought to you in part by Allison Insurance. Uh, I like this point. Um, there's a CBA in pro sports. Two parties have agreed, even as university employees, you just can't impose rules without parties agreeing. It's why the NCA lost in every litigated case and washed its hands of it. This is what everyone wanted. Let it destroy itself. They got what they wished for. Which is <laughs> which is why I laugh. I mean, literally laugh whenever you hear these fixes to it. And it's like, well, 
the NCAA has to step up and go after these. And everyone knows they can't. It's like asking me to, hey, go get a date with Alyssa Milano. Well, number one, I'm married. And number two, I can't. Right? It's just not reality. And it cracks me up. It literally is enraging. Whenever I hear, well, you know, the NCAA, who was it? The Arizona State Athletic Director. Yeah, the NCAA needs to step up and go after these collectives. They can't. They can't even figure out how to penalize Kansas, for goodness sakes. So. And if you penalize one school, there's many others that well, you could do the same thing. And, and how are you going to do it? I mean, you just don't have the people. That's my point. You don't have the people. So. I gotta tell you something, man. My fix is you have to come to a decision on what your governing body is going to be, and the NCAA is its member institutions. So, are are you going to step up and empower and embolden people to be your enforcement group? Are you going to continue to watch them lose time after time after time again when it comes to challenges in court and when it comes to legal costs? Because I just, it's its so hilarious to me that it's almost as if you're watching a fire and instead of putting it out, you're screaming and yelling. It's like, we need to do something to put this fire out. Meanwhile, you're just throwing more gasoline on. It's like, ah, hey, this fire's got to be put out. Where's the NCAA? And you're just sitting there throwing more gas. I actually have some empathy for those that are kind of left to, to tow the company line for the NCAA. Because it's like, you need to do something about this. You need to step up. You're like, we can't. We don't even know who our president is right now. We don't know who's running this joint. And oh, by the way, we got a group that's got to put on a a, a baseball championship, a softball championship. And now we've got to figure out how with 15 people in our enforcement department, how we're going to go after these people. Get out of here. Bulk up your enforcement if it matters to you. All right, quick break. When we come back, top five stories of the day.